This is an AMI podcast. Welcome to the Triple Vision podcast, your window into the past, present, and future of blindness in Canada. This podcast has been made possible by a generous contribution from T-Base Communications and the support of the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians. The mission of Triple Vision is to gather and document previously untold Canadian blindness narratives, one lived experience at a time, and to make our history accessible and universally known. Hello and welcome to Triple Vision. I'm David Best, your host, and with me is Hannah Levitt. Today, we're going to continue our exploration of accessible books for blind Canadians. In the past, we had two podcasts looking at the accessibility challenges. In the first podcast, we looked at the starting of a free library in the early 1900s, which evolved into the CNIB library. And then later in the 1900s, that was transitioned into the library sector where two new nonprofit organizations are responsible for the accessibility of alternate formats. So today we're gonna push the boundaries a little bit and see what the status is of born accessibility and what the role is of Canadian publishers. So Hannah, who do we got today and what are we going to be talking about? So David, today we're going to talk to two different people involved in the provision of accessibility and library services and book publication. The first is George Kirscher. He's from Missoula, Montana, and he's very involved with the W3C, with accessible publishing and working with all these different groups to try to come together to get some standards so that everybody understands what accessibility means and and whose role it is to do what. The second um, interview we're doing is with Kieran LeBlanc. She is the executive director of the Book Publishers Association of Alberta. And she's going to talk to us about independent book publishers and how this requirement for accessibility affects publishers and where they're at in terms of understanding what their responsibilities are for the future. I'd like to introduce George Cursor, the Chief Innovation Officer of the DAISY Consortium, into our discussion on the issue of accessible library services. So George, thank you for joining us. And to start off with, can you just give us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, George Kersher, I live in Missoula, Montana, Chief Innovations Officer with the DAISY Consortium and also Senior Officer of Global Literacy with Benetech, the company that does, does Bookshare. I've been in this industry since 88, 1988, when I started Computerized Books for the Blind, which was the first time that digital books were delivered to people around the world with disabilities. And I very quickly got into the standard side of things, 
and moved uh, into the DAISY Consortium in 96, worked on the commercial publishing standards that started in the year 2000 and continue to work on the publishing standards uh, that are in use today, like the EPUB 3 standard now being developed under the World Wide Web Consortium, same folks that uh, um, produce HTML and CSS and things like that. One of the terms that's come into uh, accessible library services is born accessible. Can you tell us what that means and where we're at in the process? Betsy Bowman from um, Bookshare said all these books are being born digital. And if they're born digital, they should be born accessible. And that was, oh, when was that term first used? I think it was in uh, around 2012 or 13, somewhere around there. And it's really taking taken off. And we had a major initiative, a push into the mainstream publishing arena to to have them produce books that were accessible right out of the box instead of having to go through conversion and alternative materials. And so the Born Accessible really was a campaign focused on the publishing industry to change their practices. And it's been marvelously successful. The publishing industry has really embraced accessibility, and that term has uh, made a big difference. And when it's born accessible, the text is all there in the correct reading order. You've got uh, navigation through the table of contents. If it's uh, got a print equivalent, you should have page numbers, so you could go to the same page as a person using the print book, and images should have at least all text, and if they're really packed with information, they should have extended descriptions. All these features in a digital book make it would make it born accessible. George, are publishers able to actually create books in alternate formats? And maybe you could explain to us what the difference is between EPUB and DAISY. So uh, the DAISY format was originally designed to help the libraries around the world that were serving people with disabilities convert their collection of audio recordings. And these were on tape. And we had to convert it because all the tape players were going away. And it was being placed with CDs back in the mid-90s. And so we developed the DAISY standard to be uh, rich, have navigation. Many of the features that I just described about a born accessible book applied to recorded human narration. And when we developed this, HTML was still in its infancy, and we designed it so that you could have synchronization between text and audio. And I would say that 99% of the DAISY books out there are uh, primarily audio with navigation, but it does provide for, for the text. So the DAISY standard is really an audio-centric standard. 
And when EPUB was being developed, when the publishing industry first got into this in right around uh, 1999, and uh, I think the first uh, digital book standard came out around uh, maybe at the end of 99 or at the beginning of 2000, it was a text-based focused uh, system. And we used HTML as the basis for that and made sure that there would be a, a list of, of files. Usually a chapter would be a file. And we zipped all that up into a, a package and we just renamed that zip file um, .epub. And that is, you can you can take an EPUB file today and rename it and unzip it and take a look at all the text and CSS and image files and things like that that make up the the digital book. It's up to the to the publisher to initiate uh, their their policies around accessibility. And I'm really happy to say that the higher education publishers seem to have been uh, the ones that have embraced it at first. And uh, so today, you can find companies like Macmillan that have really gone into accessibility and made sure that all of their publications are accessible. And Benetech has initiated a, a program called Global Certified Accessible, where they work with the publisher to make sure that what's coming out of their production workflows are consistently born accessible. So these publishers that get GCA certification have their workflow certified so that each time a book is published, it goes through the same process that ensures accessibility. And then every year, uh, Benetech will grab one of their books, check it, make sure they're still doing everything correctly. But this way, we can certify their workflow instead of individually certifying each individual title. So you do offer a service for publishers to get on board with this. We don't just say to them, do it. You you actually show them how to do it? That's absolutely correct. And and Benetech is one of the full members of the DAISY Consortium. And, and uh, through a grant from, from Google, the Google Impact Challenge grant, we were able to build this born accessible movement and we created uh, software for checking the, the files, uh, the accessibility checker for EPUB ACE by DAISY is what it's called, freely available. And the publishers built that into their workflow. And that software is using the EPUB accessibility conformance and discoverability specification as the basis for what it checks for. DAISY has provided the accessibility checking software and, the, and worked on the specifications along with everybody else. Uh, so the standards come out of the, the W3C now. Uh, DAISY has produced the software for, for checking. 
And then companies like Benetech that are active in the industry can provide these consulting arrangements with publishers to make sure they're doing it right. In Italy, there's a company called Lea that is doing it. And I think uh, Ebound in Canada is working with Benetech to try and do the similar thing as the Global Certified Accessible Program. So we want to see this everywhere. So we have digital document standards for both audio and text. And yet, for the most part, publishers don't produce materials in alternate formats. We still depend largely on nonprofit organizations to take their material and and regenerate formats that are accessible to blind and low vision people. So what do you see as the the big problem? Where, Where is the barriers and where do we need to go to get this into mainstream? So first of all, the mainstream reading system should be accessible right out of the box. They all are not right now, but we'd love to see that. And what Bookshare has and what um, DAISY produces, called the DAISY Pipeline, and that can take that EPUB and do an automatic transformation into alternative formats, formats like uh, BRF, a Braille Ready File. It can take the text and use synthetic speech, like from the cloud, really good synthetic speech, and generate an audiobook that has the text synchronized with the audio. We could produce a Word version of that, and, and five of these formats are automatically produced um, at Bookshare. So w- when you go to Bookshare, you select the format you want, and uh, it is produced for you on the fly. There's a major initiative in Canada right now, and the Canadian government is funding the publishers to move toward Born Accessible. And so when a publisher produces a Born Accessible title in EPUB, uh, that could be read right out of the box by a person with a disability. But the services and the delivery platforms for these would need to be accessible. Uh, so in higher education right now in Canada, both Red Shelf and Vital Source are, are used in Canada. And so the students can just use those titles right from the commercial outlet. They can use their web browser to read it. And there's also uh, downloadable uh, material so you they make available an iOS and an Android version that you could use on your phone or tablet. And they work really, really well. So you want to get to the place where you're getting materials from the commercial outlets and not necessarily have to go through a service like NELS or CNIB or Celia. All of these are great, great services, but my vision of the world is where they'd be born accessible right out of the box and we wouldn't have to go through a service. Here in Canada, we've been locked into a library system now for decades. And one of the features of it is we have a copyright exemption. Is there still a, a need for that copyright exception with this born accessible format? The copyright exception 
is really important, especially for the international exchange. And now with Marrakesh, we can move titles uh, across national boundaries. Before Marrakesh, uh, Canadians couldn't get a title from the U.S., and that's just crazy. But now with Marrakesh Treaty, we we can do that, and that's through through the exception. And when a publisher doesn't produce anything uh, accessible, born accessible, then um, uh, the libraries serving people who are blind and print disabled can exercise that exception and produce the title. But boy, it really is important for the publishers to be on board because if you're if you're having to chop and scan a book and pr- produce it digitally. That's a heck of a lot of work, and there's errors. Bookshare today is getting 90% of their titles directly from publishers and directly in EPUB. So 20 years ago, the whole chop and scan thing was dominant, and the quality of the titles were pretty bad. And today, getting them directly from the publishers in EPUB, the quality of the titles have skyrocketed. I understand that you're president of the International Digital Publishing Forum, and I'm just wondering, for listeners that want to learn more or get involved with this topic, is that a good place for them to go? I would suggest that people go to the W3C. So the International Digital Publishing Forum has converged with the W3C. So it's uh, uh, joining forces. The IDPF eventually will will dissolve and be absorbed into uh, the World Wide Web. And the publishing standards are now being developed there at the W3C. And uh, there's a community group that's free for anybody to join. And we're developing that uh, user experience guide. I would say search W3C, publishing at W3C. And people can send me an email. If, if they like, I'm happy to give out my email. It's Kersher, K-E-R-S-C-H-E-R, at Montana, M-O-N-T-A-N-A dot com. And I get loads of mail every day, and I'm happy to answer questions related to accessible publishing. Thank you very much, George. I appreciate you taking the time and sharing your knowledge with us and our listeners. With us this morning, we've got Kieran LeBlanc. She's with the Book Publishers Association of Alberta. So, Kieran, can you tell us what your role is with that organization? Sure. Um, I'm the executive director of the Book Publishers Association of Alberta, which we call the BPAA. And I represent 28 active independent book publishers here in the province of Alberta. Can you tell us a little bit about what happens with a book? Like the sort of the when a book is born and the process it goes through? When a book is born, so the pre birth process, I guess, is um, it would go through an acquisition uh, process. So the publisher would decide whether or not it fit with their publishing program, and negotiations would happen with an author to move the process forward. And then it would go through editorial and design and marketing planning and printing and then distribution planning 
um, and decisions about what formats it will be published in. So, for example, audiobook, ebook, print book, etc. What kind of digital formats are typically used in the industry? Currently, it used to be uh, Mobi or PDF or EPUB. Uh, the current, my publishers are all using EPUB 3 as their digital format. And EPUB 3 is the standard that is needed in order to produce ebooks in accessible format. Um, where's that going in terms of creating accessibility? So the BPA has been involved in accessible publishing for about seven years now. We started with a partnership with the CNIB, the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, and CELA, where we partnered to produce accessible audiobooks. We're in the fourth iteration of that project, and so those books have been available to print disabled Canadians for, for quite a few years. In the last pe- in the last three years, pardon me, we've been working uh, with funding from the Canada Book Fund to uh, convert backlist titles, ebook formats into accessible to meet the accessibility standards that are that are accepted now as the standard. We will have about just over 600 titles available in accessible formats by the end of April. Mostly these are backlist titles from Alberta publishers. We're also applying for another grant uh, coming up to be able to convert another about 300 titles. But in conjunction with that, we've been working with publishers to help them adopt workflows and learn about the details and the process for a born accessible book. So the goal is that anything published by an Alberta publisher would be published in an accessible format. The publishers uh, in Canada, I can speak for Canadian publishers, independent publishers, they do need funding for their operations. It's just the reality of the industry. In Alberta, publishers receive funding from the provincial government and from the federal government. And that's even, that's over and above accessible publishing. I mean, it's part of their publishing uh, workflow and program. The accessible publishing component is something that I would say publishers are doing it because it's the right thing to do. Um, They would not be seeing any kind of monetization or profit from that at this point. But there is a value that they want their books to be available to all readers in formats that readers need to be able to access them in. So I I take it then that your organization partners with many different organizations, not just publishing companies? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Our connections are mostly through eBound Canada, who are really engaged in the accessible publishing initiative or project or whatever we would call it. But our main partners would be NELS and CELA, the CNIB. We work with conversion houses, um, international conversion houses. We work with distributors. We work with libraries. And we work with library wholesalers. So it's a it's quite a large network of um, stakeholders involved in this work. 
so I understand then that your association doesn't actually publish books, but you do work closely with publishing companies. So if a publisher wants to, or they get a request to produce a, a book in an alternative format, what kind of process do they have to go through? And what sort of barriers and, and attitudes have you encountered in that process? The barriers are, are more at an industry level. So there's, there's definitely been a challenge for us in the conversion process uh, in terms of figuring out what are, the, what are the actual standards. There are many different standards out there. We've worked closely with Nels and Sila on the standard, uh, kind of the level of standard that we need to be publishing to. The other challenge is discoverability because in, included in an accessible EPUB file, there needs to be accessible metadata available within the file so that someone who needs to access an accessible ebook knows what attributes are available within that file. And in terms of attitudes, uh, I would say our publishers are extremely generous with their time and with the investment of that time in getting these books done. So does the copyright exemption ever play a, a, a role in creating problems for publishers wanting to do the alternative formats? Um, no, they honor the Marrakesh Treaty. And so anything that um, a print disabled reader requests to have made available to them, that content would be made available to them. It might not be the publisher that does the um, the creation of the alternative format. It might be that they provide the content to Nels or to Siwa to do that. So going forward, what is your expectations and what do you see the accessibility challenges are in getting ultimate formats in the mainstream? Uh, do you have any ideas to the timeline or what we can expect in the near future? Well, I think there is definitely a movement in place in Canada. Many of my colleagues are engaged in similar projects to what we've been doing. I would say that it's become an imperative in the industry to be able to figure this out. Ebound Canada has been a big partner in this work in terms of working with publishers to become Benetech certified so that they're really well educated and they're up to the current standard in terms of what they need to, to include in an accessible book. And in terms of timelines, I think it's ongoing. And I'm sure you're aware that there will be legislation in the European Union that books sold into that jurisdiction will have to be in accessible formats. And some of our publishers do export to Europe. So that will become a consideration as well. So I feel hopeful about it. Um, I would love to see all content born accessible. I think that's easier in concept than in reality because some books are extremely challenging to convert. But I think the, the intent is there and I think the will is there. Well, thank you very much, Kieran, for providing that um, information about the challenges faced by the independent publishers. 
I don't know about the rest of our listeners. I mean, I've learned a lot about library services and the history of the provision of library services. But in terms of understanding this whole accessibility picture, I'm still a little bit confused as to who's who and what needs to come next as well as you are. So I'm sure we'll be following up this publisher's podcast with another one in the future reporting on the progress that have been made since this recording. Um, I know the big issue really is developing standards and making sure that everybody's aware of what their responsibility is to make this happen. So I definitely look forward to that. And on our next podcast, you can look forward to our first episode on early advocacy for blind and visually impaired consumers in Canada. And in that podcast, we'll be talking to Nancy Layton, as well as Leo Bissonnette. And they're going to talk to us primarily about the Quebec scene and early advocacy and the Montreal Association of the Blind, and as well as the CCB. So stay tuned for that. Triple Vision is made possible by the generous support of T-Base Communications and the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians. Triple Vision is produced in collaboration with Accessible Media Inc., AMI-audio. Sam Robinson is the technical producer with the assistance of Jacob Schmansky and Andy Frank is the manager of AMI-audio. Finally, we would like to thank you for joining us on this journey. If you would like to reach out to the Triple Vision team with questions or comments, you can reach us by email at triplevision21 at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at triplevision21.